0: I wanted to buy a laser at Sephora with me and one of my girlfriends. She's a light bright. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> we went to go buy this and I couldn't buy the laser because it wouldn't work for me. And then I started researching other lasers and all of the lasers had like skin tone requirements. I don't think that anybody else really is concerned about it.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela Matthews-O'Kome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mac. And as a Side Hustle Pro listener, You will get three months free when you run your first payroll. So sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. So those of you who are longtime listeners may remember that at the very beginning of Side Hustle Pro, I'm talking about first year, 2016 we had what I called an entrepreneur in residence and her name was Miko Drew. We followed her journey with Miko in the dish for an entire year. Well, I have really been missing this aspect of Side Hustle Pro. I just really love following one person's journey for a year. So I decided I am bringing back the entrepreneur in residence feature and starting with this episode, We are going to chronicle the life of an emerging entrepreneur as she launches and scales her business. We're going to follow her for an entire year. We'll hear the ups. We'll hear the downs. We'll celebrate the wins together. I can't wait. The woman happens to be a dear friend of mine. In fact, she is my best friend since high school at the Bronx High School of Science, and her name is Lisa Pegram. Now, if it were up to me, I would have had Lisa in the chair a long time ago, but she prefers to grind behind the scenes. But I think she's so dope, so smart, and just working on such awesome things that I finally convinced her to do it. So here's a little background on Lisa. Lisa is currently the VP of analytics for a correspondent lending company and a contracted data scientist. She comes from a background consisting of biomedical engineering, psychology, and data science. She has built a career in analytics and is currently in pursuit of her PhD at Columbia University where she studies metacognition and data sciences. Her most recent endeavor is Bell51, a company dedicated to the specific woes of black and brown skin. Bell51 Soleil is the first home laser therapy device that can achieve rapid clearing results at home for all skin types, particularly black and brown tones for whom existing laser technology has, until now, been ineffective or unsafe. Her company is dedicated to bringing the newest in beauty technology to the underserved. So let's get right into it. Lisa, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hello, Mrs. (laughs) Nakela. Hello. So this is going to be so much fun. I've known you for decades now, and I've known how talented and skilled you are and what a hustler you are. But why don't you tell the world in your own words a little about yourself?
0: Um, I come from a really diverse background. Uh, I think what is very important is that they all somehow tie together at some point, um, coming from engineering, there's very technical understanding there and then also psychology and how people think and, uh, consumer analytics and all of that other analytics. I think they all tie together, um, in that, in that facet. And I think that people, uh, if they look into me a little bit deeper, they'll be able to find uh, the relationship between all of those and, uh, and the relationship also between the businesses that I've started. So I've always tried to keep a technical aspect or a little tweak of technical uh, understandings to every single business that I've brought uh, to light.
1: See, and that's why we're trying to get to (laughs) and that's what we're trying to find out by having you in the guest chair to see how that all connects. Like, how does someone who is pursuing her Ph.D. also decide to start this company? So what's your earliest memory of being a side hustler?
0: I think the earliest thing, um, and it's not particularly side hustling in the traditional sense, but I've always been trying to get extra money. Um, <laughs> from- <laughs> so even from like the age of 14, you know, you, you have your allowance and maybe your mom allows you to, gives you some money here and there so you can get little things that you like. But I would do uh, babysitting um, at at recreation centers in the summer. And from the age of 14 all the way up until now, I've always had a job um, and even carried on into college where I'd work at restaurants part-time. Even, you know, in my early 20s where I learned how to actually do weave so that I could make extra money on the side and do other people's weave. And so I've always tried to find a way to get extra money. So that's hustler mentality has always been with me.
1: Wow. And of course I remember all these hustles and it was always (laughs) just like... I don't know. It just became so normal to me. Like, oh, okay, Lisa, can you hang out this weekend? Like, because I know you got like five jobs. So like, (laughs) are you going to be able to get off? I keep the jobs. I keep the (laughs) job. You keep the job. Okay. (laughs) So many people may also not know this, but you are a trained engineer and you studied at the University of Virginia. Why Engineering.
0: Well, um, when I was growing up, at first I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and so when I went into engineering, I went into biomedical engineering because that was a pathway to achieve that goal. Uh, very quickly, I found out that that was not what I wanted to do, that it took far more, let's uh, say, gusto than I had in me. And so I decided that engineering, I would stick with what I'd already started um, in biomedical engineering. So But you know, growing up in the household that I grew up in, and I I think a lot of people, I think from other races particularly, don't think about black families as pushing, you know, engineer, lawyer, doctor. But that is definitely something that happens in all kind of black families, and so that's something that my mom preached to me, you know. And she also, you know, that or be a a police officer or 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 a teacher. So um, those are the things that were that were preached to me as a child, and so it was always in me to want to do something that. you know, interest me. And I also when I was in high school and middle school, I used to try to take part in all types of programs, extracurricular programs that kind of introduced me to engineering. So I think it was a pathway that I was interested in. And I'm still interested in it, just may not be, you know, the main career. (laughs)
1: <laughs> got it. Got it. And, you know, shout out to your mom, Mama Pegram. I remember from an early time in, in high school when we were all trying to figure out uh, what we were going to do, where we want to go to college and what we want to study. And Lisa was like, you know, I'm going to be an engineer. My mom said I'm going to be an engineer. <laughs> she said <laughs> That's it. That's what so... I'm going to school for. It's true. You know, your destiny was already determined. Yeah. what, What was your expectation, though, as you were studying engineering? What was the career path that you wanted to pursue?
0: Uh, I thought that I would, you know, obviously create artificial pancreases and cure diabetes um, for everyone. And that's really what I thought I was going to do. It wasn't quite that way. I think a lot of people, when they came out of undergrad with biomedical engineering, the big companies like Pfizer and, um, you know, Johnson & Johnson were looking for people with their master's degree. So what I I saw a lot of people going into were like pharmaceutical sales or device sales and things like that, uh, where they had a technical understanding of of a lot of, of the mechanics of biomedical engineering, but they, you know, definitely didn't have like those big industry jobs yet or research. So I, you know, decided that when I got out that I didn't want to do research and, um, you know, I didn't think I could do good at sales. I didn't think I could sell people things that I just wasn't really, you know, hundred percent on. So, uh, that, that experience was, I mean, it was really interesting. It just, uh, was very new, a very new science at that time.
1: So what did you end up doing once you left and and graduated?
0: So when I finished school, uh, the next move, I ended up at a online voting company, which has nothing to do with engineering. Uh, It was a client relations job. And what it ended up being is hands on with all types of of things within that small company. So I took. They had me in accounting they had me in you know, product development. They had me in email marketing, surveys, Salesforce, anything you could think of. Uh, we had like really major clients, uh, the Grammys, the Emmys, um, you know, we could any any company you could think of that was trying to do online voting. We were really, really heavily involved and it was a software as a service company. So I, I think I kind of got my hands in on a startup. Really early, and I don't, you know, didn't even realize it. So, um, you know, getting into that was a lot of tech. I brought in a lot of technical aspects to that job. Uh, it wasn't technically a technical job, but um, I decided to bring that in anyway.
1: Oh, what do you mean? Like, what, what did you, how'd you add in the technical part?
0: So, for product development, you don't necessarily need to know, um, you can know what clients like or what features they like. But I wanted to get percentages. I wanted to get statistical significance uh, for surveys. I wanted to um, also add statistical significance to that. And and it wasn't just about, oh, the numbers say, you know, five out of 10 people like this, and that's what we should do. Um, I wanted to look at, you know, the time it gets to from milestone to milestone and, and how quickly people are replying and that kind of thing and breaking things down even more so than what was asked of me. And that was something that I felt gave me a well-rounded answer to the people that I was reporting to at the time. So when I say technical, it's just more of a more statistical steps than just counts and overall percentages.
1: Okay. So you were not like, you know, on Team Basic, like, all right, this is what they asked for. You were like, no, you guys are going to really understand. I'm going to analyze this for you. And you still do that. You guys, Lisa will check in with me sometimes. And she's like, do you have any date? Like, how are you doing your Facebook ads? Do you need me to crunch any numbers for you? Like, are you analyzing? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know, girl. I'm just using my keywords. And it's working. I don't feel like
0: it. If you want me to automate something, Let me know. No, no, but yes, I
1: appreciate you. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm clearly oversimplifying it. But yes, Lisa is so good at analyzing. So did that lead you to want to pursue your PhD or did it take some other experiences? You know, what really inspired you to go down that track?
0: It took a lot of other experiences, actually. Um, I mean, I was at Howard for a little bit and I was doing research there as well um, in social psychology, and it really gave me insight into... Uh, what was happening with the Black experience, and it was within healthcare. Um, in addition to that, it was mindfulness um, agency, uh, things of that sort. And it and I got to see. It really opened my eyes to what was going on with the Black experience in general. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea, um, coming from a PWI, what was happening, um, and. I mean, it made me realize that I basically wanted to to do something that had to do with uh, African American studies or better understand something with African American studies so I took that information and applied it to all of all of the things that I'm interested in now so uh, pursuing my master's at USC and you know was going to do my PhD there um, and you know now Columbia but it was a consumer analytics um, kind of Uh, focused program. And so uh, with applied psychology and people don't think of psychology as a a very statistical science, but it is. Um, and, and using that combined with my work experience to look into particular behaviors and consumer behaviors. And I think that part of that could be applicable or is definitely applicable to what I'm doing now. um, and in Columbia, it's, it's metacognition that I'm very interested in, which is the agency of, of making your decisions. And uh, there's weights to decision making and there's even there's more data science to that. And there's uh, definitely a lot of coding languages associated with that. So just being um, mindful of the whole process and targeting uh, unique audiences and trying to make sure that I get that that information you know, correct. And, and mm-hmm. yeah.
1: You know, let's break that down a little bit. So one of the things that you said I think we should really highlight for a second is that sometimes people don't realize that psychology is so intertwined in everything, particularly marketing, right? So actually, when I went to business school, when I studied at um, University of Michigan, my my marketing teacher actually had her PhD in psychology. I think it was psychology and marketing. I can't even remember. Don't quote me. (laughs) All I know is she had psychology experience and she went down a similar path where she thought she was interested in psychology. Then she realized just how much people... Go to psychologists to or, or, or need to understand the psychology of a consumer's mind in order to market to them. And that is why we now see all these ads across our social media platforms because they're there are people studying us, how we move, what we click, all that stuff. So can you talk a little bit about how you started to to work in these fields as you've been studying and Going towards that PhD track in this, like how you've been able to get all these jobs because this is such a hot topic right now.
0: Yeah, so that first job was where I started basically doing data science before data science was trendy. And then I got a contracting position where they were helping change companies over from Excel because a lot of companies were using Excel. They still do Mm -hmm. a lot of, (laughs) and then um, to database languages. And so from that, I was able to coach other people and then teach myself how to code in SQL, which is just the database languages um, based, it's like T-SQL, Oracle, whatever, all those other Mm -hmm. coding languages. And I was able to teach myself that. And from there, um, that gave me the background to when I moved to California to do to work at USC, work for another uh, company that's kind of like government agency company, where uh, where they were auditing the large banks and finding out how much money uh, they owed to the civilians. Essentially, they like a lot of big banks are hoarding money, and we had to work on algorithms um, to seek that out. And then I had one major project, which was my own, which was basically modeling uh, sales tax fraud (laughs) from small businesses and uh, like cash to credit card ratios, things like that, trying to find indicators that were most important for um, fraud. So I think just, I mean, I think it's pretty evident from there, the different interactions that um, psychology and data analytics have in that whole thing. It's like, it's pretty evident that you need to know (laughs) how people are behaving in order to get to get a hold of these metrics.
1: Yes. You're so smart. You guys, you hear this. You hear how she just casually says, so then I taught myself this language, and then I taught myself this other coding language. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What are you saying? That's why you're my best friend, (laughs) because you hype me. (laughs) (laughs) Because you just casually drop all of this stuff, and it's like, what are you saying? Um, I'm so proud, impressed by you, and, you know— As you're doing all of this work. So now what led you to say, okay, I want to go to Columbia or know that Columbia was the right place to truly put all of this together, to put everything that you've been doing and learning and say, this is what I want to study.
0: So Columbia has, um, a psychology PhD program and it's not, I mean, there's neuroscience, there's, there's, um, social psychology. But in general, when you apply to Columbia's programs, you apply to the psychology program and they allow you to work with other professors. You can have advisors in different departments. And so I thought that was really important for me. So, you know, having an advisor that, you know, at CBS, like even I can TA, uh, uh, you know, Columbia Business School, I can have advisors in the engineering school. And I think that that's really what helped to shape what i'm trying to do and what i have done and so it'll help me in my future and all of the all of the work that i can do can mean something that's applicable for the path that i've you know or the, the trajectory that i hope to have
1: i know you've had other entrepreneurial ideas and started business before like building a brand called the tax vista and you briefly touched on your work with with learning about uh, what banks are doing and tax fraud what made you decide to explore that As a side hustle for a bit, especially while on the the academic grind, and what made you pivot away from it? right, I had my head in taxes
0: heavy because of work, so I started thinking about different things and how I had no idea what was going on um, with my taxes, and wondering how many of these companies that I was saying had violated. Uh, these, these small, or were, I'm sorry, were in violation of small tax fraud. How many of them um, knew what they were doing and didn't know what they were doing? Mm-hmm. And then I thought about the African-American experience and how many of us don't know, we just fill out and we do what we're supposed to do or we think we do what we're supposed to do and I just have no clue. And we're probably not optimizing our returns um, and how, you know, the, you know, the 1% is and how a lot of the tax code is written To benefit them. So the idea came to my mind that because I have this knowledge on modeling people's behavior and, you know, bringing into the, like I said, like computer science and psychology, I thought, well, what about people's behaviors? Can I say, you know, could categorize them um, in ways that would help them to identify their best tax breaks, right? So if you're a student and you're buying a whole bunch of books, like where, what should I, what should I do? Should I write these off? Am I going to keep track of that as a student? No. So maybe somebody can create something that automates that. And so that was an idea that I had. And I went ahead and started with that uh, and, and had a co-founder and we even made it to the final interviews for Techstars LA. And we were really, um, you know, on the path to do that. And, it's, you know, Trump and text code changes, and, you know, my co founder wasn't the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully he doesn't hear this, but he was not, he was not, his heart was not in it all the way, not oh, the way okay. that I was. Yeah. And so I could tell that by the amount of energy he was putting
1: into mm-hmm. the marketing. How did you find your co founder?
0: Um, one of these, I can't remember the exact app, but it was like one of these like match situations where, uh, they have, they was, so meeting, so being on the, in the um, startup space, you meet a lot, lot of other startups and you want to support each other. And so it was one of, I was a startup that had matched um, other, other co-founders with co-founders and whoever wants to help each other and you discuss, you know, what your terms are and, you know, what you have to bring to the table and that kind of thing. So I was looking for one on that. I mean, it asked, I asked everybody that I thought, you know, in my immediate circle who'd be interested, but I don't think anybody really was about that kind of startup life at that moment. Um, mm. Yeah. So, cause they know what that means. And I guess I didn't know what that meant, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I went around and and asked and he, he was Latino and, you know, he, he had a great amount of experience in marketing and, you know, I thought he would be like excellent for, you know, for black and brown people that need help, you know? So, um, but you know, it just, it just wasn't as passionate about it as I was. And that's what happens when it's your idea. You're far more passionate and you have to Mm. find people who are supportive, um, the way that you are about your own ideas.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. It's it's tricky. So you pivoted away from that. And now you've started an entirely new company called Bell 51, as we mentioned in the beginning. And Bell 51 provides the first at-home Pico 4 laser for black and brown skin. Now, what made you decide to launch Bell 51?
0: Well, it's crazy enough. Um, it, it, OK, so there was two things. One of them is I went I wanted to buy a laser um, at Sephora uh, with me and one of my girlfriends. She's a light bright. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> we went to go buy this and I couldn't buy the laser because it wouldn't work for me. And I was like, you know, that's not fair. I want to buy this laser too. And then I started researching other lasers and all of the lasers had like skin tone
1: requirements. So it would tell you on the box, like what was it doing? Like a brown paper bag test on the box? It, like how, essentially, like...
0: <laughs> yeah. Brown paper bag test oh, on no. the box. And so like you, you... Like they said, like, if you hold your hand up to the little boxes, like, you know, like uh, how colors, um, hair colors have like those little palettes or swatches, yeah, okay, of, like okay. what the color will look like. It's yeah. something like that, right? Hold your skin up to that. And if you don't have that skin color or you're darker than that, then you can't use the laser. And so that was an idea that came to me like, well, that wasn't fair. And then I started encountering it more with other lasers and other types of, of treatments that were laser based and lasers are the like are like the, the crux of the whole industry. Like everything's dependent upon lasers. And I think that's where it's going. So I don't want to be left out and I don't think everyone else should be left out. So that was one of the reasons why. And then, you know, I think I talked to you before about this, but all of technology is kind of le- leaving us out. So when you think about AI and self-driving cars and how they can't detect between us Black people and, you know, uh, Brown Bush or something, like they can't figure out the difference. And I thought that's a lot of the issues with lasers is that, you know, it's a distinction in color and, you know, because we're browner, it's a little bit more difficult to find the differences or the contrast or percent contrast in color. So trying to focus in on that error and having someone who's actually focused in on that error, um, because I don't think that anybody else really is concerned about it because everything else is so successful. I mean, if it's working for the other, you know, percent of the country or you know, the lighter tone people in the country, then why would they worry about us if they're making their money?
1: So, you know, figured should look into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. A couple of things on that point. Um, first of all, You know, what's interesting to me is that first and foremost, there are things that I don't even know exist because it's not created for us. For example, I didn't even know that handheld lasers was a possibility until you told me about the company you were launching. Isn't that crazy? Like, I didn't even know you could go into a store and buy that. And two, it is crazy how these, we're making such advances in technology in the world, and it literally is not built for us. Self-driving cars are said to be like, they might hit dark-skinned people <laughs> because they literally, they were built without that. Yep. You know, the, <laughs> okay without about that. that <laughs> like, how? how? How is this that's not right. That's not right. So
0: I feel like how they, I'm like, they don't care about us. (laughs) How
1: can you be building (laughs) technology that literally doesn't recognize black people? What? In 2019. So, okay. So now what did you do to educate yourself on this field of laser care for melanated skin so that you, yeah, you would be up to speed on, on what the laser needs to, how do you choose a safe laser?
0: So I went through all of these articles. You know, I used my USC library membership and was perusing um, the electrical engineering journals. Um, I met with some electrical engineering professors. I asked them to double check as I have been far removed from engineering. Um, professors on campus, anesthetists, um, and doctors as well um, about their experience with the laser, whether or not it actually, you know, had results and works for brown skin. And, you know, I just, it on myself i mean is this uh, to see whether or not it was sustainable to use this laser on brown, brown and you know i felt like all of that combined gave me some some great insight into whether or not the laser would be useful and it's not something that a lot of people know about so um you know i did do my research and you know i think there was an article on allure that mentioned it being for all skin tones and but that was one of the only major um businesses or not businesses but magazines that covered it and I really didn't see it anywhere. So I thought that was really
1: interesting. Yes. And one of the things you did that I want to highlight again, I mean, clearly, like I'm not in your industry, but you, you did something that, you know, a guest that was just on the show also mentions Zakia of um, uh, FB and fat is that, you know, if there's something out there that's already there, start researching it. And, you know, after a while, after enough digging, you will get to their supplier, you will get to their manufacturer and, you know, you'll start, you'll be able to start researching and figuring out how to adapt it for your own needs. So can you talk a little bit about that process of figuring out, of even getting the, the laser to test on yourself?
0: Right. So I, um, Like I I saw a lot of what the technology was about and I had created a mock-up in the States and then I sent that to a bunch of companies that were overseas um, to see if they could do it. And the companies were the ones that created the Pico laser, the large Pico laser um, that is for um, dermatologists and, you know, you have have a license in order to use. And so, um, I sent a bunch of them the mock-up and asked them what the pricing would be. You know, a lot of the issues are, you know, can't, should I buy a bunch of this? Like, what is the pricing going to be like? Can I afford any of this? Um, what's my savings going to look like when I'm finished? But, um, that, that and FDA approval were two of the main things that I was concerned about. Um, but yeah, you know, basically you just have to go out there be scrappy and look up in the small print who's doing what for what companies and then and then send them emails and people want money so they're gonna they're gonna reply to your emails if you're talking about money or 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 you know distribution or or any product that you actually really are interested in
1: hey guys it's nikaela here with a quick word from our sponsor if you have a business or you know someone who does You probably know by now that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are mad fun, I'm not gonna lie, but some of them like filing taxes and running payroll, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for us small businesses. It's fast with simple payroll processing benefits and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about all that. Plus, they make it easy to add on things like health benefits and even 401ks for your team. So those old school clunky payroll providers that you probably thought you had to look at, they just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them wear all of those hats for you. You have better things to do. Side Hustle Pro listeners, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So test it out. See for yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. And how did you decide on, you know, how many of these were you going to buy? How, how are you going to do inventory? Are you going to hold on to a lot? Were you going to test just a, a set fixed number at first? I asked,
0: I asked people um, and then I also did this course that I'm going to tell you about probably later on, but. All right, don't it, forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <you> uh, <laughs> I did this course online and. Basically, they said that's like one of the pitfalls that they had. And the company was a tea company, um, mm-hmm. like a skinny girl tea company. And they said that they got excited when they first got their first couple of orders and they ordered in bulk for the whole year. And then, um, first of all, the product came out horrible. Uh, it wasn't at all what they had really expected. And then oh, no. they like in the shelf life, you have to be very careful of. And, you know, I, I've wanted to have a, a balance on that. I don't think I have that together yet, but I still think that... You know, I wanted to go with a company that would work with me at a, at a low stock. Okay. And, and, you know, I always ask them what their minimum order quantities are and that kind of thing. And, you know, especially with branding and you're asking for a lot from them, um, you're asking them to reproduce this, this mock-up that you want. And, you know, you have to be, they really want to, they have to really want to work with you in order to give you low pricing.
1: And you touched on FDA approval. I know we talked about that before, kind of offline, but just so everyone knows, like, how did that work again? Was it like as long as like one of them on the market has already been approved? Right. If there's a similar type of laser that's been approved, then um, has gone through all of the clinical
0: testing, then it then it gets approved by the FDA. Uh, it, and then you have to submit something that proves that your product is very similar to it. And then you have an FDA registration that's associated with that. So, okay. yeah, it's, a, it's an expensive process. They do have something for small businesses as far as the registration fees go, but it, all of this is an expensive process.
1: So I want to mm. keep my minimum. So how did you fund this? How, you know, yeah, this is sounding very expensive. <laughs> how, <laughs> so is, are you just f- funding this with your salary at this
0: point? Um, My salary and my other jobs, because, you know, I keep the job. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Because Lisa (laughs) never has just one job. Do not get it twisted. If you see her with some downtime, it's not because she only has one job. It's not because of that. It's because my job is probably downtime. If my job helps me, I can have downtime. (laughs) That's what it is. Can I tell (laughs) the Jamaica story? (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, okay. 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 We'll cut it out. Go go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So... Y'all know that I celebrated my birthday in Jamaica. This past February. Yeah, I talked about it in one of the Entrepreneur Diaries. I posted it on Instagram. So I celebrated with my besties. Lisa joined me for that trip. And we're in Jamaica by the pool, having a good time. Lisa's trying to get on the Wi-Fi frantically. Um, she finally gets on the Wi-Fi. She First of all, didn't you have like two laptops? This girl has two laptops by the pool because <laughs> she is working from home. <laughs>
0: I one of her many jobs well okay first of all jamaica is my second home so <laughs> that's, true, I feel that's like true that's
1: true, <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> oh mg and i'm just gonna leave it at that i won't even like tell the rest but yes just always <laughs> always hustling so now let's get back into it so what other steps did you take to set up Bell 51 so um for example the website you know anything else that was associated with getting the business up and running
0: Yeah. So I had to think about, and I don't still think, okay, so we just launched by the time this airs, right? So we haven't, uh, we just launched and I don't even know if I've done everything yet. It just, there's so many steps to it, but one of the steps was, you know, like packaging, um, you know, making sure that, you know, like, so the people who created the lasers aren't the people who create the, the glasses that protect your eyes. Um, you know, the people who do the packaging for packaging aren't the same people who do this to do the glasses for your eyes. And um, the people who do that are not the same people who do the tissue paper that I use and like figuring out shipping and figuring out um, like whether or not I can do international and my website. And, um, you know, yes, there's a lot of great websites out there for e commerce settling on which one you want to do, um, the language that you want to use. I'm not a copywriter, so I don't always feel comfortable in that capacity. So it's great to use people you have around you for that. Because um, yeah, I do science and not, not words.
1: Um- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but hold on a second because I you're, you're really teaching me a lot. I didn't even think about that, that you have all these ingredients, you know, so to speak in the box and they're not all coming from the same person. So how, how do you go about getting them packaged and shipped then?
0: So, um, they the supplier that I have, um, there's a third party that, that does inspections and they referred me. So in, inspections of your products and I'm shipping it from overseas, they'll check everything for me. And I didn't want to do it. You can do it with your supplier, but I don't want, I don't trust them. So I hired this other company, which is a very low fee considering it's overseas. And they referred me to a company that would assemble, that helps assemble. So um, basically that's how it works. Is it's really, really, really like pennies on the dollar. Okay. Um,
1: And I like the fact that you do that because when you say you don't trust them, do you mean like, of course, if you manufacture it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's safe. (laughs) Of course, it's perfectly fine. And like there is
0: somebody who is, yeah, like all of the pieces are there for sure. Um,
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, they're going to say that. So, you know, you have a third party company that's checking to make sure that the order is correct before it gets shipped. And also, like if there's something now, if there's something that malfunctions or something that is not there or broken and doesn't meet the standards of quality, if it gets sent back to... If it gets sent to me, as is, broken and everything, and then I send it to somebody, they're going to send send it to me and they're going to say, like, what's wrong with Bell 51's products? Like, you guys are sending faulty products and it's not my fault. I didn't, like, actually build it from scratch. So I'm going to have to, like, you know, it's it's my responsibility, basically, to to make sure that people get products that work.
1: Of course, of course. And speaking of that as well, so now as manufacturing is happening and, you know, you just launched, how does the shipping work? So when people order from the website, how does fulfillment happen? So there's um, so
0: really fancy people can hire um, shippers. Uh, and I believe there's like companies that actually will distribute things for you and you can just keep them in stock assembled and then they'll ship them out for you. I, on the other hand, am not fancy enough yet. So uh, or <laughs> or having enough coin. So I do it myself. I, every single um, thing I put together check checkoff list and make sure that I include everything into the packages that I send out to people. So I'm still physically doing them all myself.
1: So does this mean that you have a house full of Pico lasers right now? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) So now, um, how do you balance the education piece that needs to happen for consumers. So, like I said, you know, I didn't even know until you told me that you were getting ready to launch this, that this was even a possibility for us. And we've for so long been told that, oh, first our skin tone, you know, uh, we can't do laser. And then, oh, you can do laser, but only with this one specific one in our office. So, so how are you working through that education piece?
0: I think it's a constant process, and i'm I'm gonna to continue to try to educate people i I don't feel like I'm there yet. um that's one of the things i I need to work on I think um but I just plan to show people um how to use it. I'm gonna create more videos and you know try to learn how to put myself out there a little bit more um and then also, I've been having influencers get involved, and they have been great with their feedback and 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 I think continuing to have them as a part of this is definitely in the plans.
1: All right. So what else have you been doing to market it so far? Because, you know, you've done a great job starting out your Instagram page. Everything looks so beautiful. How are you approaching marketing overall?
0: So first, I want to get one channel down and then move on to other channels. And the first channel is obviously I'm moving with Instagram first. Um, I thought I would be able to get a little shop button like this other laser company But they did not give it to me. So I wrote them a strongly worded email about that because (laughs) I feel like if it's for black people, they don't want to let me have a shop button. So stand
1: up for your rights. Okay.
0: (laughs) I want my shop button. Um but you know, I um started with Instagram and then I moved on. I think I'm gonna be moving on to Facebook and um Google. Uh I don't know my SEO is not there. I have to, you know, remember that all the time. Um Get you know, try to figure out my SEO and wording. Um, then after that, I probably do Reddit and then Pinterest. So it's like a, a it's a flow in my mind at least of of okay, this looks good so far, um, and then I'll move on to the next one, and continue taking courses. There's a lot of great resources out there, you know, free and not free, but you know, I hope that by mastering each of them, that I'll get closer to a point where I'm, you know, economically free enough to invest in more of courses.
1: Now, I'm curious to know how what you've studied and your knowledge and and expertise in consumer psychologists, how that has influenced how you approach marketing for Bell 51.
0: Yeah, so I think I don't know how and this is a really this is a really interesting question because sometimes I think it hinders me and sometimes I think it's great. I don't know if I have enough data. Right. So there is something called statistical significance that I keep referring to. Yes. And that is an implication of what the population is doing. And so I'm always looking for that and so I'm and I'm technically slow to draw conclusions, but when I see something I get really excited about. I'm like what does that really mean that? And so I'm I'm always looking for conversion rates and ratios and trying to look into specific Anomalies that I find in the data and they may not always mean anything. So I'm hoping that as I continue to get more data and more information that it'll come even more in handy. Because right now I have my guesses about what's happening um, on the back end. And, you know, from the UX and UI perspective, how people are interacting with my web pages and what they're clicking on. And, and I really... Want to get more data, so I can make some great conclusions about where what I should move around, where should I move this page, what information should be first, and that kind of thing. And it really helps. I think it will help me in the future.
1: Okay, and that's very interesting. And you're right. When you are first starting out, and you don't have, you know, a core uh, number of of people yet, a core set of data you're really just guessing. A lot of us are guessing and assuming things, which isn't always good. You might find yourself going down a whole path and then figure out that it wasn't even the right path. So it's like this this balancing act of moving quickly with information that you have, but then also when you do finally have enough data, really dissecting it and also setting up your system so that you get those da- that data. So um, I know I suffered from this where I didn't always put things in place in the beginning. And now they're like some blind spots with data because, you know, let's say I didn't have uh, tracking tags on my email list initially, right? So there are a lot of people who I might not know how they came to me or, um, you know, some of the things they've clicked on on my list. So can you talk about some things that you track and things you have in place that you're looking to to get information on? Well,
0: I have my email list um, right now. It's not huge. (laughs) But I have my email list um, tracked. I have uh, Google Analytics installed on my page. Um, And then also... By having the Shopify store, they have a lot of of analytics, like uh, how many people are coming from, you know, what social media websites and what uh, websites, from where, um, if they're click this page, they're this much more likely to click this other page. Um, And then you also get information on your conversion rates uh, from your shopping cart to purchase or from a view of this page to your shopping cart. And I'm looking at those type, that type of data. There's also data that I'm getting from Instagram. So I'm looking at the first part of my funnel, the large part of my funnel, um, looking at those rates to see, okay, if I introduce this much more, does that mean that these are the others are gonna increase and what does that mean? So just doing a lot of A-B testing myself on and seeing whether or not my
1: percentages change. So what's been your biggest mistake or regret in this process so far?
0: Um, I think my biggest immediately, I think maybe not clicking through every single iteration of my web page. Maybe, um, the UX and UI, like I said, I want to get that better. The other day, I was talking to somebody, and my help logo was blocking the checkout page.
1: Oh, no, (laughs) like,
0: like, so basically, like, the I have a little plugin where people can ask me questions, like, I'm, I'm, I keep it. You know, on my cell phone, so if somebody you know is like, "What's going on with the laser? hey, you know any question they can ask me on my website, and I can get right back to them and it was blocking the checkout page so people could ask me questions all they want to, but they can't check out. <laughs> so that might have been hurting some of my conversions, um, but I didn't realize that because when i when I first done my checkout, I didn't have that that plug-in installed, and so I didn't realize that it was blocking the checkout so um, stuff like that just like walking through every single component of my website and making sure so afterwards i i did do that but it was like i probably missed out on some sales as a result
1: mm. wow and now how are you balancing your full-time job your phd studies and your side hustle so it's very difficult at this point in
0: time um, my phd work though doesn't start until august so i'm i'm using this little bit of free time to to focus really heavily One of these jobs is going to go. And then also I try to make sure I make lists and figure out like what's most important. I keep in my head, if you could think of something like a Gantt chart or if someone's in project management, like basically what's interacting with what, where are my priorities lying? uh, Where do they lie? I mean, and just balancing and refocusing my strategy accordingly. So my lists are really, really, really (laughs) <laughs> Small, like tasks. They're not even. You can't hardly even tell what's what's related to what. Um, it's it's like send an email to so and so. You know, check on check on this, recheck on this email. Make sure you have all of the things that you need. Uh, I have all these little tasks and reminders of different campaigns that I have in my mind, and have even like reminders to go back and check those notes, things like that. And then I add them to my calendar with alarms so that I'm forced to do them throughout the day. So I just try to do all of, try to keep all of that in mind. And, and because it's hard to keep in your mind, write it down and put reminders that
1: right. you know, notify you. The alarms are key. The alarms are <laughs> very much key because be, it's easy to be like, I don't want to do nothing today. I'm just going to ignore my calendar. I'm just going to pretend I don't <laughs> know stuff is on there.
0: <laughs> I even do in my personal life like I do now, like everything has the same importance. Like it's like go to baby shower in my, (laughs) it's like all, all all in my same, like importance. I'm like trying to remember to do everything.
1: Oh, wow. And when you do start your studies, um, are you, do you plan to continue working or how do you plan to kind of balance running this business, fulfilling orders, and then, you know, going and studying and doing class thing? So
0: my, I've gotten my class schedules. Um, I'm not saying that it's not going to be hard, but I um, basically know What's going to happen as far as New York to LA, and the way that I've been living my life is LA. I'm PST, right? So if I have three hours more in my day, considering that I'm starting in New York, um, that gives me three more hours to do more work in my head, at least. <laughs> so um, if I can continue the same schedule with three hours early and focus a lot of my time on balancing, I think that I'll be able to still pull things off. I mean, I've been doing it. I've done it in the past, and I've been doing it, and so I don't think that. It, You know, it'll be that much more difficult, um, especially considering that, you know, uh, most of my work, the full time stuff is going to be going.
1: So you're you're just going to live and be a grad student.
0: I'm going to well live and be a grad student. I might do some data science work still continued uh, part time, depending upon how successful, um, you know, Bell is, because I might need still money to fund. It, to continue to get it to the next stages. Um, you know, every time you make money, it doesn't mean you ha- it's for you. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, so let's, you know, reinvesting in the company um, It might have it until, uh, until I can reinvest from the company into the company. And then,
1: um, yeah, I'm just going to continue to balance that and the, and the PhD work. Got it. So we are going to be checking back on you in the next three months. What goals would you like to accomplish in that time? I'm hoping
0: that I can replace the income um, that you know the company will be self-sufficient, that all of the bills would be paid from that account versus my personal account. Um, and then I'm also hoping to grow the company to the point where you know there's a little bit of a name recognition where people start to feel comfortable and uh, and solid that the product is providing them results. And I want to get more black engineers involved. I think it's really important that black people are part of this process.
1: Big goals. I like it. I like it. We do not play small over here. We, <laughs> we got the focus going on. And I mean, how can we get a little bit of Lisa's just hustle spirit to rub off on us? Because, um, we're not always willing to, to work around the clock like you are. Like, so, so for me, when I have, Work, You know, I like to say, OK, I'm going to do work from this time to this time. And then I want to chill tonight and I want to watch an episode of this. Whereas I feel like you are like, oh, I have four hours tonight before I go to bed. I'm going to cram it with some work. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> how, how do we but I this do. I, leave an, okay, <laughs> I don't, you leave an I hour.
0: I don't leave like an hour. I leave like an hour of downtime. And I think. I think it's just because that's what I want to. i like I want to do um, at at that time. So I'm not always that way. I do things like that for three months, maybe get a tiny a tiny bit burned out. Take a month break off um, from like doing four hours when I get home as soon as I get home from work, and then, you know, come back to it three months later. So I think. It's really I think of it as kind of like dieting, you know, when people say just because, <laughs> you know, it's true, like just because you just because you, you know, um, fell off the wagon doesn't mean that you have to, um, you know, stay falling off the wagon. Uh. So like I like to I'm thinking I think of hustling very similarly, like, OK, I need to just like eat healthy and do my work. And that's it's the same thing in my in my brain. And
1: sometimes I fall off a little bit, but like try to remember to get back on the wagon. That is so true. I kind of like that analogy. And I won't say it's that I'm dieting, but, you know, I definitely do, you know, set out to always eat healthy every single week <laughs> and then find myself with some Oreos. And I'm like, all right, we're going to try again tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> going to start back exactly. without the Oreos. So now we are going to shift to the lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you start your side hustle that you can share with a side hustle pro audience? The course that I was talking about earlier, it's called
0: Founder Start and Scale, um, F-O-U-N-D-R and no E. Um, and it's um, basically just help, tells you how to start and scale an e-commerce business.
1: All right. Number two, what's been the best business book that you've read? Uh, Playing Big. It's
0: by Tara Mahor. And it's a different, uh, it's a book that addresses a different type of leadership model. Uh, It basically addresses how it's hard to navigate being a woman and be in leadership positions and trying to, you know, basically not come off as the B word um, in these settings, but then also being authoritative. And uh, I think it's a really good, a really good book as far as learning, you know, how to to balance the two things.
1: Hmm, gotta check that out. All right, so number three, who is a black woman side hustler that has motivated you along your journey?
0: So as far as like someone who's motivated me, I have very close friends that are very amazing, including you, Nikaila. Trying to be your, try to be your Gail, you know, over here, Oprah. Um, Listen,
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> We are trying to make it together, girl. I'm trying to be that Gail, um, and then,
0: <laughs> and then we have uh, Cassie, who I call Cassandra Nuava. She's a uh, coach, Cass, um, on on Instagram, and she's amazing. Uh, she's always been a hustler. Like she, I remember her getting this amazing job out of undergrad and then being like, I'm going to start with my family business. Her mom had like a fitness business and she just transformed it through yes. social media. And so, I mean, I think having people around me who are inspirational is really a plus. I think, you know, if you don't have it, you should go out and get it. I think that that really helps inspire you to realize that you can do it yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, you, not to interrupt lightning round, but you truly are the people you spend the most time with, is pe- the people you see the most. Like when when you see that someone else who... You remember when they were struggling in college, just like you is doing it. You're like, why can't I really seriously, you know? Um, and for those of you who want to hear Coach Cass's story, she was episode 60 of Side Hustle Pro. So scroll back and check that out. All right. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly with your side hustle? Uh,
0: one of them, like I said, was tiny task, And then another thing I could think of is if it takes less than 10 minutes to do, do it immediately. Like, don't Mm. don't put it. Don't write it down. Just do it immediately right there in the spot. So if it's an email or anything, if it takes less than 10 minutes, just do it. (laughs) Okay,
1: (laughs) I like that. And then finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow side hustlers who are juggling school and work?
0: Make it easy for yourself. Like, I think, you know, when I say that, if there's an app, then install that app into your phone or install that app into your store or you know, invest in them. Don't say like, I'm gonna save this $10. Like, make it easy for yourself to succeed so that you can um, be there for your customers and also be there you know, for your other, your other priorities. So you know, I, I try to make sure that I balance, like I said, everything in, a, in an equal way and weigh my priorities. Assess them often and make it easy for yourself to achieve your goals.
1: So, before we go, where can people connect with you and follow along with Bell 51 after this episode and in between your check ins? You can follow me, <laughs> I'm sorry, on Bell 51 Co, uh,
0: B E L L 51 CO, and that's on Instagram, or you can uh, email me at customer at bell51.com.
1: All right, there you have it, guys. Thank you, Lisa, for being in the guest chair. This has been awesome, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited to see the journey, and I will be testing out the Soleil razor in between a uh, laser. Do I keep saying razor? Oh my god, you guys! <laughs> 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 anyway, I will be laser, not razor, in between our check ins. I'll tell you how that goes. Head over to sidehustlepro.co slash Lisa for all of the show notes from this episode, including the links, books, all of that that Lisa mentioned. Thanks so much again, Lisa, and I will talk to you guys next week. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. Now stay connected in between episodes by texting Side Hustle Pro to 44222. You'll get my weekly six bullet Saturday newsletters where I share what I'm up to, what I'm reading, my business tip of the week, and resources to help you grow your side hustle. And I'm working behind the scenes on some live events, which my email list will get access to first. So make sure you're in the loop. Text Side Hustle Pro to 44222 or visit sidehustlepro.co/sbs.